Well, welcome, everyone, to another debate from Intelligence Squared U.S. I'm John Donvan of ABC News, and it is my honor once again to serve as host and moderator. As the six debaters you see sharing the stage with me here at the Skirball Center for the Performing Arts at New York University, we'll be debating this motion, Good Riddance to the Mainstream Media. It is an important topic for debate, and that's what this is. It is a debate, a contest And you, the audience, will be our judges. By the time the debate ends, you will have voted twice, once before the debate and once again after the debate on whether you side with or against the motion. You pick the winners. This is round one, opening statements by each debater in turn. And speaking first for the motion, good riddance to the mainstream media, I'd like to introduce Michael Wolf, who in a way has one of the most mainstream of all media positions as a columnist for Vanity Fair, but he also for some time has had a position on the other side of the technological divide, having been involved in many internet startups, including Newser.com, which, Michael, you say has as one of its goals to kill newspapers. Is that correct? Well, also to make me rich. Make you rich. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) is that working out? Oh, yes, of course. Michael Wolf, ladies and gentlemen. I went to work for the New York Times in 1973, and I was going to say that um, uh, that that probably makes me one of the people who's been in this business, in this room, the longest. But then I noticed you're an old crowd. Um, um, And my first point is that we ought to remember that this business, the business that those guys um, are going to defend, is a new creation. Now, this superstructure, which essentially is five companies which dominate the landscape, Time Warner, Viacom, CBS, um, uh, News Corp, Disney, um, and NBC Universal. What these companies are are more than 1,000 independent media companies, which in the past 20 years have been aggregated into five. So what they're going to be defending is actually a business theory. And the theory is we bring all these companies together and we create value. That theory has been all but exploded. From an audience point of view, the audience has been in flight for 20 years. You can see those numbers not just in newspapers, across the media landscape, um, uh, television networks, books, magazines. You have an advertiser flight. Shareholder perspective, what you have is, well, actually, you've been screwed if you're a shareholder in a modern media company. Um, What you have is the consumer, the advertiser, and the marketplace itself saying that there is something phenomenally wrong here. What you're going to hear here tonight is uh, is that the media is necessary for the for the common wheel. The media may be flawed, but, um, but it delivers us uh, what we need to know. The news business in this country is nothing to be proud of. Change is good. Thank you. And thank you. The motion is good riddance to the mainstream media, and here to argue first Against the motion is Phil Bronstein. Phil Bronstein began his career as a television reporter and over the years 
uh, moved to print and became ultimately uh, the editor of the San Francisco Chronicle. Ladies and gentlemen, Phil Bronstein. First of all, I should caution you, we should be very careful tonight because we can't touch on certain topics because we could all go to jail if we do. What am I thinking? Of course we can't go to jail. We can talk about anything we want. And one of the reasons we can talk about anything we want is because the institutions that have made up the mainstream media, not over the last 20 or 30 years, but over the last 100 years, have provided the authority and the experience and, frankly, the money to stand toe-to-toe with government and all-powerful institutions and individuals and for the benefit of all of us. A few years ago, we had two reporters at the Chronicle facing 18 months in prison each in the Balco steroids story for refusing to be tools of government prosecution and, in fact, for just being reporters. Well, we spent two years, in addition to the time we spent on the story, two years defending these reporters and a million dollars. That's something that I'm not so sure that these other emerging operations in media can do. Do they have the money, have the will to do that? I'm not here to defend a business proposition. What I am defending is the idea of sustained professional journalism done with integrity and done in the public interest. This isn't just domestic, and it isn't just about the government. Seth Maiden's an old colleague of mine from Southeast Asia, said not too long ago when he shows up at places in Southeast Asia, he's often the only reporter. Well, we're supposed to be the witnesses to history. Where are the witnesses? How are those witnesses going to be provided? I don't think they'll be provided solely by tweets from people on the streets of Tehran. So from the New York Times taking on Boss Tweed in the 1870s to a young William Randolph Hearst supporting blue-collar workers, the public has been very well served by the mainstream media. And at a minimum, we can't afford to let it go and kiss it off because it's entirely unclear what other form of journalism, support for that journalism, is going to be successful. Thank you, Phil Bronstein. Our motion is good riddance to the mainstream media. And now speaking for the motion, Jim uh, Vandehei. And Jim had the perfect job at a great paper, a respected political reporter at the Washington Post. He gave it all up to start a startup news organization. The good news is it turned out to be Politico.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Jim Vandehei. I think new media is better than old media, and I think that we're the hope for them. I think I agree with most of what Phil said. I agree that all that investigation, all the accountability that, that old journalism has done is great and that we need those values. But there's also another side to, to mainstream media and another side to new media. For, for starters, uh, mainstream media, I, I don't think it was always as good as portrayed or always as great as we sort of mythicize. For the longest time, it was basically run by old white men uh, who are left of center, who are deciding how all of us uh, view the news. The only diversity was how much hair they had left or whether they drank uh, gin or scotch. (laughs) And uh, and what new media has done is it's injected a ton of vitality and a ton of competition uh, into the media. And you're going to hear stuff tonight about how there's a demise of serious journalism, that, that if you look online, if you look at new media, it's just not as serious and substantive. I've been in Washington 
for 15 years. And I would say that the coverage of the health care debate has been the most substantive, the deepest coverage, the most accountable coverage that I've seen of, of a domestic policy issue in some time. And the best of it is coming not from the mainstream media, but from outside of the mainstream media, whether it's uh, Jonathan Cohn from the New Republic or Ezra Klein, who's doing his stuff sort of deep down in, in WashingtonPost.com. You have ProPublica, a not-for-profit organization uh, run by Paul Steiger, who I used to work with at the Wall Street Journal and the Center for Public Integrity, doing some accountability reporting and making that available uh, to readers throughout the country. There's more information than ever, and it's coming mostly from new media. And, and I do believe that as new media matures, we're going to take over that social responsibility of, of funding the expensive to-do uh, journalism, like accountability and like foreign policy reporting, because uh, you can't cover anything if you're not in business. And I think that it's new media that's going to crack the code on the business models that actually work. I mentioned uh, Talking Points Memo, and, and Phil was saying, well, can they make money? Will it, uh, is there an ability for them to finance the type of, of journalism that takes on government? Well, I think so. They just got another round of funding. They're doubling the size of their staff. They're starting a Washington bureau, and they're predicting that they can get to a path uh, to profitability. And I believe that because Politico's done it. In year three, with 120 employees doing that type of journalism, we're profitable, and I think it proves that this works. So I urge all of you to vote for the, the resolution because New Media has given journalism the tools, the tricks, the metabolism, and the journalists to succeed. Thank you. You have heard three opening statements. And now on to the fourth, I'd like to welcome Katrina Vanden Heuvel, who is editor of The Nation, a small magazine with a fiercely loyal following, uh, in many ways a targeted elite readership that would be the envy of many online websites. However, The Nation is how old? 144, and I feel it every day. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen so Katrina Vanden really You not only look young, good, you look fabulous. Okay. Um, <laughs> Um, Let me quote an old media guy, Antonio Gramsci. We are witnesses to the old media order dying, but a new one is not yet born. And Jim Vandehei can talk about all of those examples, but ProPublica, for example, is very keen and explicit about partnering with what might be called legacy old media publications to get the big bang they want for their stories. Michael Wolff, newser, basically lives off of aggregating mainstream media sites. So I think to, you know, to say uh, good riddance to the mainstream media may get the testosterone flowing up here, but it distracts from the tough work of salvaging and reviving quality journalism and newsrooms that will hold accountable the powerful. So, but I'm ready to separate my frustration with the many weaknesses of the mainstream media from a recognition of the valuable role it plays. Uh, so many mainstream media outlets have operated as stenographers to power not as tough, hard-headed reporters. And this is a real problem. But this is not about throwing out the baby with the bathwater. It is about the capacity of institutions for the health of our democracy. So for all their flaws, think about what newspapers, and not just newspapers, have done to provide a check on corruption and crooked politicians. Think about not only what my partner Phil spoke about, journalists as not only witnesses to history, but witnesses to oppression, Journalistic enterprises keeping people safe, the most vulnerable, from torture, oppression, injustice. This is a transformational moment, but it's not a moment to toss out what has value, despite the flaws. There is a journalistic ecosystem emerging out there, but it is still very fragile. And to make the divide between old and new media into something 
I would argue, artificially inflated by the other side, is to pit against each other what should be evolving together for the benefit of our country. The fundamental problem remains. Without powerful media institutions to take on the powerful on behalf of the rest of us, we become more vulnerable as a society to those who would use their influence for private gain, damn the public consequences. We need a plan B, and we don't have one yet. Thank you. I'm John Donvan, and you're listening to Intelligence Squared U.S., Oxford-style debating on America's shores. Six panelists are arguing for and against the motion, which is... Good riddance to mainstream media. Stay with us. A reminder of where we are. We are halfway through the opening round of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. I'm John Donvan of ABC News. We have six debaters on the stage here. Our next debater who will be speaking for the motion, good riddance to the mainstream media, John Hockenberry has been, I would say, uh, an old colleague of mine who has dabbled in the mainstream media, working at both NBC and ABC, but his career has really been built around experimentation. He's been breaking the rules a long time. He is currently the host of public radio morning news program, The Takeaway. Ladies and gentlemen, John Hockenberry. Thank you. And thank you, Katrina. Um, I would say that uh, new media has a lot to learn from the nation, which most these days resembles a blog more than anything else in the mainstream media. But speaking directly to people is nothing new. And the idea that our opponents would have us believe that somehow freedom of the press and the accountability of the media is somehow created by this for-profit structure, is, is at odds with what the Constitution is about. The First Amendment enabled the mainstream media And what have they done with the custodianship of this authority and this sense of holding us all accountable in this democracy and in doing the quality reporting that we so value? What have they done? What are we defending here? Change is afoot. This is a moment we should embrace. All of the institutions described by our opponents were created in times of similar transformation. The Hearst era, the New York Times... The, the tabloid era in, in, in American history, which formed the basis of the American Revolution, were all transformational moments when mainstream media was going away and new media was coming in. This is a moment to celebrate. Good riddance to the mainstream media. It should be written in the Constitution. <laughs> what are they trying to preserve here? Are we preserving the office culture and mentality at a television network where the senior editor of a news program holds an office poll to bet on the ratings for next morning's program? That culture? At the height of the war in Iraq, the number one news broadcast reporting on that war was owned by a defense contractor. Is that what we're preserving here? We want to create institutions that are all about doing it for the money, and then we expect that the values of journalism and reporting are going to be maintained in that structure? And then when it changes, and institutions like my colleague Jim describes, Politico.com, where that I will do journalism whether I'm paid or not kind of passion comes into play, we're going to say, oh my gosh, what's happening? We're throwing out the baby with the bathwater. There's something wrong here. We've got to stop this. No. If our gauge for the health of the media is whether some folks are making money, then we've given up at the beginning. Good riddance to the mainstream media. They had custodianship of this sense of authority for quite a while. And what did they bring us? Two words. Balloon boy. (laughs) I rest. 
Finally, to debate against the motion, good riddance to the mainstream media, David Carr, who is a media, column, a media columnist and reporter for the New York Times, his take on the situation we're in now, a column from last September. He said, clearly, for the mainstream media, the sky is falling. The question is whether anyone will be left to cover it. Ladies and gentlemen, David Carr. Because I work at the New York Times, I'm cast here as the dad in the basement at the teen party. Cool guys over there. <laughs> and us old funny days. Well, I work at the New York Times. We have 17 million uh, people that come to our website. We put out 100 videos every month. We have 80 blogs. We are fully engaged in the revolution that John talks about. And we are at the vanguard, of, as is the Washington Post, as is the Wall Street Journal. And we're going to toss that out, which is the proposition. Toss that out and uh, kick back and see what Facebook turns up. (laughs) I don't think so. Look, we're gathered here around a bonfire, and I stipulate to the business problems of the media. Michael wants you to think that it's five large media companies. It's hundreds and hundreds of newspapers, local station representing uh, thousands and thousands of reporters who are bringing accountability to their community every day. There is a delight in ban- dancing around the bonfire. There's a delight in grave dancing. I'm not a grave dancer. You shouldn't be either. You should vote against this proposition. The hybrid model that Katrina talked about, where old and new media gradually develop ways of dealing with the business challenges of supporting independent accountability reporting, is what's real. I believe in new media, but unless you've got a millionaire that's going to absorb a lot of losses to get things going, the shop I work for occasionally makes money. None of those guys can say that. The model that they're selling you is, has not demonstrated a business efficacy. I mean, I get it. I'm here from the New York Times, and I've received my orders from the dark overlords of the mainstream media. <laughs> and they also told me, If you fail tonight, do not come back to headquarters. So keep keep that in mind. Look, um, it's fun to build a bonfire. It's not much fun to figure out what you're going to replace it. All the plucky citizens in the world, all the networked intelligence that you can come up with are not going to give us what we need which is real-time data as citizens on a variety of platforms from a variety of voices to make an informed choice every time we step out that door. Vote against this proposal. And that concludes round one of this Intelligence Square debate where the motion is good riddance to the mainstream media. And um, I've now received the results of the preliminary vote. Our live audience voted before the debate began their positions on our motion, good riddance to the mainstream media. They will vote again at the end of the debate, and the team that changes the most minds over the course of the debate will be declared our winner. Here are the preliminary results. Before the debate, 25% were for the motion, 50% against the motion, and 25% undecided. Now we're moving on to round two. This is our middle round in which the debaters address each other directly, and we will also take questions from you in the audience. Uh, But I would like to ask a question of of the side that is arguing against the motion. Uh, Katrina, you said that there is no plan B, but what I heard from the other side sounded like 
plan C, D, E, F, G, all the way through Z. Why do you feel that the argument, particularly that there are plenty of already evident forms of real legitimate replacement, good journalism happening, why don't you take those seriously as actually stepping up and filling the gap that you say is absent without a plan B? There are many models, and I think, believe I was arguing for a hybrid. I don't think we throw out what has strong elements. There are for-profit models are very small at the moment, and I think all of these foundations and all of the people looking at new models want to build on elements of the MSM. I spoke of ProPublica, a group in Washington founded by David Benaham. He monitors the impact of his website by how his stories, his reporters get picked up in the mainstream uh, media. Go to Michael Wolf. What do, you, what do you make of that? It's basically an argument that somebody will step up and reach into his own pockets and pay for it. C- uh, Katrina, you, you reach into your pocket. You pay for, you pay for the nation. Um, I thought and, you were talking about Rupert for a and, moment, And Michael. this is... Um, <laughs> Uh, well, Rupert, uh, in, fact, Rupert, that's, in fact, if Rupert I could interrupt, that's not fair. Many, many pockets to do, to do this. Wait, Katrina, let, let, let him, we, let him, we are Katrina, the old model Katrina, reader supporter. Katrina, please let him speak. Well, but you're supported by a foundation. I don't know about that, um, how much comes from your pocket or your family's pocket. But, but you're really not talking about, about the media business. You're not talking about journalism. You're talking about about um, a philanthropy, which is, which is great, and that's another conversation that we might have. But if you're talking about a, a, a robust, self-supporting, profit-making, um, live, real, um, reason-for-being business, that's something different. And um, you're talking about uh, uh, some, something that is um, worthy but, but not really the discussion. Phil Bronstein, is he getting ready to respond? Well, first of all, I mean, I think that uh, it's, it's really the issue is not what do we think of plans B through Z. The proposition here is getting rid of A. And I think John Hockenberry created a bit of a false case, money case. The issue really isn't about are these capitalist organizations? They must make money and they go against the grain of the great passion of journalism. Believe me, to be at a newspaper these days, you have to be passionate because you're like the guy in the little Abner cartoon with the cloud over his head all the time. The, the point I, tried to, I wanted to make about money was that you needed to be able to sustain that kind of journalism. ProPublica has a three-year, $10 million a year grant, essentially, from a single family. Is that going to continue? What happens if ProPublica... Writes about that family. Here's the problem with that. I mean, are you arguing for an explicit protected subsidy of these media divisions, of these news divisions of these organizations, where somehow in the federal tax code they're going to be permitted some status, some subsidy that's going to allow them to survive because we've decided that it's constitutionally important to maintain these businesses? Did you don't argue that. that you David don't Cohen. argue that. David you Cohen. say we can't David, let it go away. David but, Cohen. Sean, do you disagree then with George Washington who did subsidize the distribution of newspapers? The founding fathers were very explicit that the government had a role well, why didn't in regulatory you argue that policy, tax policy. But George Washington was on and, your side. I'm sorry? Why, did, why didn't you argue that up there if George Washington was on your side? Because it's a young That's crowd. That's not what you said. I'm talking about... 
I think this debate should not be about business models. It should be about how do we salvage and revive. But, Using but, elements but, of the mainstream media. It can media, only be not about business models because you're, Wait, not, you're not in a business. I am in the business, well, Michael. Uh, this is, Michael, if, if Michael we, and Katrina. If you don't think said, I'm in the Michael business. And, Mike, Katrina and Michael, I need you to alternate. So <laughs> I'll be directing traffic for the next minute. Michael. Well, the, the, uh, uh, Katrina's point is to remove this from a business discussion. In other words, and let's be clear about what she's saying. She's saying this is, about, uh, this is about journalists. This is about what journalists want. This is like having the, um, the, the health care debate decided just by doctors. Um, it's not true. I mean, it doesn't work that way. Hey, Katrina, um, come back to it. You know, you know let me David, in. David, just a second. I get, told Katrina she would get next. She gave, so, she I gave, gave him my portfolio. Then, then, David Carr, it's yours. Let's, let's just think about what, what, what they're doing. Katrina is apparently guilty of running a magazine that doesn't make money. Newser is an interesting model which involves either annotation or theft of other material, depending on which... Um, um, political or, or abbreviation of stuff of David Carr's stories, which are vastly too long. Who's the last okay. person who read a full David Good Carr? One. Good one. If Back any to you, you, David Carr. If any of you ever read Michael and Vanity Fair? No. <laughs> I, I, I take is that. Shiny diamond. Anyways, these guys, these guys are saying your business is over. We're the new crowd. Their models are completely and totally untested. With the exception of John, public radio has been an amazing model. It's produced an enormous amount of journalism, but it's not a for-profit model. Michael, let's bring in your teammate, Jim Van Dyke. Check mainstream media for a second, because there are profitable models. Politico in his third year, 120 employees. What about the money that went in? David, uh, profitable. What you're also forgetting to know to note is that it's early. Like, we're all trying to figure out the business model. We haven't even started to charge for content. Trust me, people, you're going to be paying for content. A lot of it is going to be new media content. And I think the whole argument over here is, like, we're not saying get rid of mainstream media altogether. We're saying get rid of it, get rid of it the way you've been. The, the reason you guys are arguing that you survive or that people should vote with you is that, that by adopting all of our techniques, by getting the speed, the openness, the Twitter, all of the things that are thriving in new media, that's, we're, we're equipping some of the mainstream media institutions to have at least a chance of survival, and there aren't that many. Jim, do you look there on your side without knowing it? Pardon? I think they are. I do. I do think they're on our side without knowing it. And thank God for it. And that's where the well, growth there are is. Old that's where the innovation, the innovation in the well. industry is coming address. from new media. The innovation about business models, of the type of journalism, to give all of you guys input into to journalism. And I think it's a much better thing. Like, I hate the pessimism that I see uh, in the mainstream media about what's happening. This is a great time. It's a great time if you want to be a journalist. It's a great time if you're a news consumer because there's more information than you could have ever asked for. And a lot of it is coming from where? From us, not Phil from Bronstein. them. Let, let me just say, no, no, John, John, let me just get to the other side. Phil Bronstein. Well, I hate the pessimism, too. But John Hockenberry, John made a very eloquent case about the First Amendment. And the reality is the First Amendment did not help us when Alberto Gonzalez was the attorney general. We're all great believers in the First Amendment, I would assume. But it really required years of hard work, years of struggle, and millions and millions of dollars for newspapers, whether it's the San Francisco Chronicle or the New York Times or the Washington Post, to make sure that the, the, that the government was held accountable 
to the notion of the First Amendment, that there was a First Amendment and that there would be people fighting for it. So I, I think that was a false sort of argument to make about the First Amendment. I think the argument John is... John Hockenberry, you want to come back on that? Sadly, you used the worst case for endorsing the mainstream media. The war was endorsed by the mainstream media in the United States, similar to the Alberto Gonzalez the period. The, those, these, were, these were aspects of the Bush administration that were not questioned by the mainstream media. It was only much, much later that the media stepped in and questioned those points. Alberto and, Gonzalez and indeed, was questioned immediately. The mainstream media apologized for its endorsement of both the war and some of the tactics of the Bush administration long after the fact. The idea that you were on the front lines is just completely at odds so, with so the So to facts. maintain mainstream media, you would like us to be perfect? No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you're, you're saying using the wrong flaws, period of time to win we a trophy flaws. for. We, we, you're saying we have flaws. We agree we have flaws. No. What, what would you know about the conduct of the war in Afghanistan right now? You as citizens, absent mainstream reporting... David, the what, pro- just a sec, what I, is Twitter going to tell you about what's going on in Afghanistan? Michael Wolf. We, yeah, no, but D- David, I think the, the better question is, is, don't we feel that we don't know what's going on in Afghanistan? This war has been going on for Jesus Christ. And suddenly, suddenly, suddenly we wake up and we find, oh, my God, we're losing the war. Afghanistan, we have had people there doing Rigorous reporting that oh, laid yeah, out. Oh, yeah, really rigorous. I can't believe I'm going to defend the New York Times, but let me do that on this case, because I do think the reporting around the corruption of the Karzai government and the runoff contributed in some measure to a public waking up and the fact that a majority of Americans now oppose this war. And if I could, in between the Iraq war in Afghanistan or at a certain point around Iraq, how would we have learned about the torture sites the black sites, rendition, Abu Ghraib. Those were the strong elements of reporting in the mainstream. David Carr. Big, big, powerful institutions in government, in business, need big, powerful institutions in opposition of them. Exxon, Big Tobacco, the current White House, the last White House. How would you know that we're using remote robotic airplanes in a systematic way to go into Pakistan right now with the CIA's finger on okay, the Okay, David, we, we get the point of your question, yeah. and it's, it's a good one. Let's look, take John Hockenberry. Take look, that. We are off the proposition, totally off the proposition. There would be total agreement on this stage, possibly not with Michael, but <laughs> if the proposition was good riddance to journalism. No one is saying that. I would not participate on a panel that said good riddance to journalism. Oh, yeah, I would. The main... Uh, right, there we go. <laughs> I know my colleagues. What we are talking about is good riddance to a business model that has a mixed record that is now going down the tubes for reasons that have to do with an economic transformation that is both productive and useful. And the idea of the baby being thrown out with the bathwater, that there is no alternative, Jim amply demonstrates that the alternative is emerging. If it's with partnerships with the mainstream media, so be it. But it is a good thing. Vote with the proposition. I'm John Donvan, and you're listening to Intelligence Squared U.S., Oxford-style debating on America's shores. Six panelists are arguing for and against the motion, which is good riddance to mainstream media. Stay with us.
I'm John Donvan, correspondent for ABC News Nightline and host and moderator of Intelligence Squared U.S., Oxford-style debating. The motion is good riddance to mainstream media. Welcome back to the program. I want to go to the audience for some questions now. And uh, we want to ask anybody who is a member of the media or a blogger to identify them. So let's say if you're an A-list blogger to identify yourself. So you, you can self-select on that one. Sir. Thank you, first of all, to all the panelists. We've heard a lot about what is purportedly wrong with mainstream media. I'd like to hear a little bit about what might be wrong with new media and how the new media might evolve and what we need to watch out for, if anything. Part of the problem that goes on on the web, and there are so many wonderful examples of brand build-out on the web. The Huffington Post, I've never covered anything like it in my media career, watch something explode like that. That's the exception, not the rule. Out on the web, people assemble into verticals of self-interest. They often speak only to each other. They become an echo chamber of half-truths, sometimes outright lies. And so you end up with a sort of uh, um, a mass of people talking to each other. No one has read anything. No one knows anything. They're talking about something that someone else read, that read, that read, that read. And we end up in a meta world, as these guys have said themselves, it's a very nascent state. And the mainstream media and the blogosphere, we've adopted the tools of the insurgency in terms of presentation, going to the web, our Afghanistan reporting as video, as maps, where the drugs lords are. At the same time, you have... Uh, new media adopting standards, reporting uh, approaches, starting to beef up. I think the two are coming together. Jim Van Hay sounds like, again, you're agreeing. Well, we, just, we, we keep hearing about, the, you were just talking a little bit about the, the echo chamber and about the, like, there's just noise and people are amplifying positions that they already have and there's a lot of uh, misinformation out there. But who's doing the fact-checking? Some of the best fact-checking is being done by new media. Factcheck.org, which I think is the name of the, the arm of the St. Petersburg Times, which won a Pulitzer Prize for its fact-checking, it, that online, that new media component, made the old media relevant. Who's been fact-checking? Who's quickest to fact-check the death panels and all the other nonsense that we've had in, in different debates in recent months? It's websites like ours. It's, it's the Huffington Post. It's various bloggers who are checking this stuff in real time, and they're setting the record straight. And I think that that's a, a, it's a fabulous uh, advance. Is there a bigger burden on you as the reader right now than there was 10 years ago when five people at the three big networks and the two big newspapers told you how to view uh, world events? Yes. But I think there's so much more information for you now to consume, thanks to new media, that you are much more uh, educated consumer of news and you can make probably a much a better decision based on the facts. Jacket, tie, eyeglasses, and two hands up. As a consumer, I think one of the values that I see in mainstream media is comprehension of coverage, where you can go to a source and really understand what's going on in the world. How does new media, if, if that goes away and there's not funding for that breadth of coverage, what's the social impact of that um, if we all move to new media, certain verticals where people just choose to read what they want to read and they're not exposed to all these other things? John Hockenberry, why don't you take that? Well... Again, I think, uh, what is the argument there? Do we preserve an institution, and do we choose which newspapers are worthy of having this subsidy to maintain their position? And then are we to call them independent? 
Are we to say that because now they are supported by the government or supported by some sort of tax on, say, televisions or uh, Internet service providers, that that revenue now flowing to those institutions makes them secure and independent in some sense that's going to make the journalism better? Uh, what, the only but John, thing... Do you, do you agree with the premise of the question that, that the new media tends toward people seeking out views that they know they already agree with? But I think the mainstream media is at least as guilty of that as anything in the blog sphere. I mean, it is the Fox News Network, I, I'm, I believe, that created a theme park out of a conspiracy of liberals taking over the world. And, and so I think that model uh, has worked for newspapers as well as it's worked for blogs. It's certainly nothing that was invented by the Huffington Post. I mean, I'm just—I'm thinking of a news story in the Las Vegas Sun, which was a six-month project by a paper which wasn't that well-funded, but part of the mainstream media may have been a chain, and it was a, a journalist who covered what unaccountable officials had not covered, what uh, the labor unions had averted their eyes to, and she uncovered death. Accidental deaths of about 30 workers. And why, I think why, that is, why, couldn't, why couldn't the web very quickly adapt to that sort of model? Well, I think she had the support of the funding, which is difficult in these untested models of new media. But I think it's, it's tougher to do those kinds of things now on the web. People are doing politico. They're doing quick takes. They're doing quick stories. But it's rare to find people who are reading long investigative series Ma'am, your question. I'm curious about um, what about the other, all the other mechanisms on the Internet that don't necessarily have the capacity nor are interested in developing the capacity to provide that quality control. So the Twitters, the Facebooks, who has the capacity and who is going to be responsible for looking at quality control outside of the places we already know are interested in doing so. What you're really saying is that there are a lot of crazy people on the Internet. Lots and lots of crazy people. Okay, and I think that's a fair point because, Jim, for example, it's, it's not all Politico.com, and I think that's really her point, that they're not all playing by your rules. Crazy people aren't a new invention. They've been around for a long time. Like People who tell lies have been around for a long time. People who think crap information is true has been around for a long time. What you're going to see, it does put more of a burden on you. And I'll, I'll keep coming back to this because you, there is so much information. You have to figure out what you trust. The reason that I'm optimistic is I feel like new media is going to solve that for you. It's not going to be old media. It's going to be new models in your local community. It might not be a paper that has four or 500 employees. It might be a series of three or four smaller websites that do very specialty reporting in those communities. Some might be not-for-profit. Some might be ad-supported. And it's, and it's happening now. And I, that's why I'm optimistic that, that together like we can figure this out. We are figuring this out. And there's a reason that, that, that mainstream media is losing readers. They lost touch with their readers. The pink uh, jacket. Um, you said that they're losing readership because consumers are looking for alternate ways of getting information. Use, uh, consumers are also looking for alternate opinions. And they're finding that the mainstream media, when 70% of reporters uh, say that they are Democrats or registered Democrats, are only giving one view. Phil Bronstein. And, and that also goes to John Hockenberry's point that by, just by the nature of the Internet, the, the, the people working in it to the degrees that, that is journalism are a far more diverse group than you'll see in any newsroom you and I have ever worked in. I do know. I mean, I can tell you from personal experience. I mean, I, I did a blog post on SFGate to the Chronicle site uh, talking about how nicely the press was treating President Obama. And that 
post got widely circulated. I found out I had all sorts of friends I didn't know. But, you know, that is not a story that I, that's been scarce. In fact, uh, I've read them in the last week. So I don't think that that's a, an opinion that has been left out of mainstream media. I do realize there's a, a minimum perception issue about, you know, the political bent of, of mainstream media. No question. John Huckenberg? I think the question is, is much more profound than simply are there more registered Democrats in whatever sort of hall of the media that you're talking about. What is, what is happening here is that the editorial process is fundamentally shifting to your point. And to your point, if, if the distribution means of information is taken away from a small number of institutions, the diversity is naturally going to increase. Further, if you have people who want to actually engage in the editorial process, they don't go to one Twitter you know, they go to 60, or they go to 60 different platforms. I mean, they, they are a part of the, ex- the editorial process in the same way that people who buy Beatles rock band get to play Ringo if they want to. The idea is existentially being a part of the editorial process. Truth-telling and fact-checking on their own is, is, is part of the experience that will become the business model of the future. So we're not abolishing journalists, and we're not abolishing newspapers. We are talking about a fundamental shift that changes the way these institutions have managed to survive. And, and good conclu- riddance and, to that. And, and that concludes round two of our debate. And here's where we are. We are about to hear brief closing statements from each of the debaters. And it's their last chance to try to change your minds. And from the live audience vote beforehand, we knew where you stood before this debate began. And here's what we have. Our motion is good riddance to the mainstream media. And before the debate, the vote among the audience members went like this. 25% are for the motion, 50% are against, and 25% are undivided. You will be asked to vote one more time and pick the winner just a few minutes from now. Speaking first against the motion in his summary remarks, Phil Bronstein, executive vice president and editor-at-large of the San Francisco Chronicle. You know, um, thank you. On the, on the car ride over here, I rode with Jim, uh, and Jim actually acknowledged that uh, many people, maybe even himself, consider Politico to be mainstream media. The point is really not about definitions. Let me tell you something. You haven't heard from any of us that we think new media is bad. They've made a great case that new media has all sorts of possibilities. But the proposition you're being asked to vote on is good riddance to mainstream media. Therefore, the proposition says mainstream media has to die. That's the proposition. And my own experience is not that. My own experience is when I get together with Biz Stone, who's the co-founder of Twitter, we talk about ways in which their massive pipeline of all that data and information and tweets might be able to be narrowed down into a verifiable set of facts that then professional journalists, this is his view and Twitter's view, professional journalists then take it and run with it. We are not arguing that that is the only way to go. Our opponents are arguing that their way is the only way to go. And I just find that to be not a credible proposition. So I urge you to vote (laughs) <laughs> against the proposition. <laughs> it can be confusing, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Phil Bronstein. Summing, summing up his position for the motion, Michael Wolf, a columnist for Vanity Fair and the founder of news aggregator, Newser.com. Michael? 
Um, Phil says we want the, the mainstream media uh, to die. That's what we're advocating. That's not the case. What we're saying is that the mainstream media is dying. It's, um, it's going to die because, it, um, because things have changed. Um, it's become obsolete. I think that's, the, that's what we are trying to say here. It's, 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 it's not to deny anything about the mainstream media, its virtues or its faults. A, a, a change is here. The mainstream media now is functionally Detroit. Um, it can probably go on. It can limp on and on and on, um, and then it won't be able to limp on anymore. Remember, we are all journalists here. Um, we are arguing for our, our livelihoods. They're arguing for their livelihoods. We are arguing for a new version of our livelihoods. But what you should focus on is the, is, is the, other, the other people, the people we serve. We serve, um, we serve readers, we serve advertisers, and we serve shareholders. And the mainstream media has um, failed in that regard, and uh, there's no picking up the pieces. Our motion is good riddance to the mainstream media, and summarizing her position against the motion, Katrina Vanden Heuvel, editor and publisher of America's longest-running weekly, The Nation. It's folly to deny that change is happening, but we are talking about a moment of transition and transformation. But I believe that it is not a moment to dispense with what has been of value in the mainstream media, accountability, democracy... Uh, I believe those are noble principles. And I do believe uh, that we do need large, powerful institutions, barnacles attached, to take on powerful forces, whether corporate or government. We should today understand coming out of this hall and be against the motion, good riddance to the mainstream media, because there are important elements of that to preserve. Thank you. To Katrina Vanden Heuvel. Summarizing for the motion, Jim Vandehei, executive editor and co-founder of Politico.com. What they want you to believe is that the mainstream media is something that it's not. They, want, they use words like hybrid or advancement or transformation. They're basically trying to argue that they are new media, and they're not. I think it's, I think it's emphatically clear that not only is new media superior, I think it's our only hope for uh, saving timely, serious, revelatory, and profitable news. Uh, So I say good riddance to to the slow, detached, monolithic mainstream media. And I say that new media, we should respect the things that these guys have talked about. We do respect the values of fairness and accuracy. But I also think that all of us in this room should embrace the diversity, the transparency, the timeliness, and the innovative spirit that you see in new media. So with all that in mind, I think it's abundantly clear that you should vote in favor of the proposition because the news depends on it. Thank you, Jim Vandenai. Summarizing against the motion, David Carr, media columnist and reporter for the New York Times. I want to thank the audience for their attentiveness and you, John, for keeping all the frogs in a wheelbarrow and moving them down the road. Tough job. Here's the thing. Mainstream media is not losing audience. We're not a hybrid uh, uh, business. How is it that, like, to take one website I know about, the New York Times... We have 18 million viewers. We have, you know, 850,000 papers, subscribers. We meet people on all manner of platforms. Politico, you'll be interested to know, three times a week. 
puts a paper out on the street. Why do they do that? Because you got to put the white paper out to get the green paper back. <laughs> That's how it works. The problem that he has and the problem that I have in, is that over time, the audience has switched to the web. The audience that's worth a buck in print is worth a dime and sometimes a penny on the web. Vote against. Thank you, David Carr. And finally, summarizing for the motion, John Hockenberry, co-host of the public radio morning news program, The Takeaway. You must vote against them and for the proposition for the following reasons. They've not demonstrated that, that there is a way to stop the changes that are afoot. In fact, they've agreed that the changes are taking place. There's no way to stop them. They have not demonstrated how journalism is, in fact, going away under our model. And they have not demonstrated that the current institutions they call the mainstream media are the only means for delivering quality journalism. What do they say? It sounds sometimes they're saying, we are going away. Don't hate us. That's pathetic. And, and sad, uh, but it's not relevant. It sounds like they're saying, we are being abolished, don't let them. Well, that's simply untrue. They're not being abolished. And in fact, they would argue that we should be abolished or that the new media should be regulated so as to prevent their content from being used in new media and having access to readers. Finally, sometimes it seems like they are saying, we deserve to be protected, but they don't say how. And because they don't, you must vote against them. Vote for the proposition. And that concludes our closing statements. And I I just have to say to all six of the debaters, no matter how this turns out after we ask the audience to pick a winner, um, you came with passion and commitment, and I congratulate all of you. It was a really terrific. Here are the results of the debate. And remember, the team that changes the most minds will be declared our winner. And we now have the final results, and they are. Before the debate, our motion being good riddance to the mainstream media, 25% of you were for the motion. 50% were against. 25% were undecided. After the debate, 24% of you are for the motion. 68% against. 8% undecided. The side against wins the debate. Our congratulations to them. Thank you from me, John Donvan, and from Intelligence Squared U.S. This Intelligence Squared U.S. debate, presented by the Rosencrantz Foundation, was held at New York University's Skirball Center for the Performing Arts. Robert Rosencrantz is chairman. Dana Wolf is the executive producer. Maureen McMurray and Rob Christensen are the radio producers. Damon Whitmore is the audio engineer. And I'm your host, John Donvan. For more information or to purchase tickets to future events, visit www.intelligencesquared.org. Intelligence Squared is distributed by NPR, National Public Radio.